<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. It's actually like you would, if you could witness it, like if someone, like a psychologist could witness how I would act in restaurants, they'd be like, commit her to an insane asylum this bitch right is now. out of her mind because I would go so saccharine sweet because I had no other option because I was so furious so people would be like can I get an, can I get another refill oh can I get a side of ketchup uh-huh <laughs> I'm not kidding I would I would go I like, oh, yeah I sure will I love you I, so I do much. a lot of I sure will uh, hey everybody, welcome back to Sidework Podcast. Bienvenidos. Bienvenidos. Uh, welcome. Hello. Uh, <laughs> which means welcome to Wales. But we're not. In, I don't know how to, which part is just welcome and which part is Wales. But I'm part Welsh. <laughs> Wait, say it again. Kreisui Kamre. Oh, Something like that. It is hard to figure out which is which. Right? And that's the only takeaway I have from being 18 years old and <laughs> taking a spring break to Wales. Either, wow. either way, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. Uh, anyways, um, I'm your host, Brooke Van Poplin. Jocelyn Hughes. Hi. Hi, Andrew Wallace. I'll be your server on this journey we're about to take. I think Kyle is waiting tables right now. In the shit I currently? Think she's in uh, the classic shit. Is that Kyle. Is that a brunch shift? I'm not sure if she went in for lunch service or what. We should have put a wiretap on her. Ooh, that's mm. a good idea. We'll get that organized for next time. <laughs> I'm just like imagining like like kind of like a like a Pac-Man scenario screen we have set up where we have like her pinging in like her section and her and like where she runs around her section. We or if we could watch her, God, how fun would it be to actually have a surveillance cam on her and just a helmet kind of, cam? <laughs> Let, wait, let's send Kyle in with a GoPro. <laughs> that would be, you know what? People sure would behave if a waitress came up to them with a GoPro on their head. It's pretty exciting because I feel like we're growing a little listener base. So everyone who is currently listening, we salute you. Don thy apron with pride, Namaste. my lovelies. Right? Namaste. <laughs> Namaste and do nah. a double. <laughs> when someone's they like, got you. Ah! And someone's like, you done for the day? Namaste. Doing a double. <laughs> I love it. So dumb. Hashtag. Uh, so we're excited because we're going to start putting more requests on social media for anyone out there paying attention. We want to reward you. And I think this is the sweetest thing ever on Instagram. Uh, her name is Brie underscore Haynes. And 
she wrote in because she said she liked the podcast and was telling her coworkers. And I was like, hell yeah, girl, Yay. you give us a story right now and we're going to talk about it on air. So. Here's, here's her just first on sort of a little about herself. So Brie is uh, serving in Atlanta right now trying to get into dental school. Oh, hot Atlanta getting into dental school. That's right. I need help with my teeth. We'll talk when you're ready. <laughs> okay, so Brie, so this is a little bit of like what she used to have to put up with. So mm-hmm. Brie moved uh, here from Maui and she was working as an assistant manager at a restaurant. So she goes on to say, oh, let me tell you, timeshare owners also think they own the restaurant. Fun. Right? People would write emails to the hotel manager if we didn't let them bring outside food in, cut them off, didn't change the TV channel for them, even though somebody else was watching something. Which is like, I hate TVs. Oh, God. I mean, first of all, right. Okay. So, working in a timeshare hotel restaurant is a special form of hell. We had one guy who every year would call me over to point out everything we needed to fix or change from a small paint chip to moving umbrellas on the patio to different spots. When I got engaged, he asked me if I was pregnant and if people even respected me because I look 16 forever. Anyway, vent stash over, still drawn to restaurants, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, we, Andrew and I just did a trip to Kauai, which is like timeshare central. Mm. I can't even imagine the the amount of people (laughs) who, if they're just a regular at a restaurant, we already talked about the hell they put you through where they're like, it's bright, it's cold, it's loud. Very bizarre entitlement. Right, where you're like, don't leave the house. It's apparently only safe there for you. But if someone was like, I own a piece of this, they're literally going to treat you like an indentured servant. Yeah, they're a bit entitled. I mean, you and I were doing our best to be like, we're cool, we don't work, we're cool, we worked in restaurants, we want to be, we want to hang with the locals, where do the locals go? We're not tourists, like... And it's hard because, like, especially when we were in Kauai, like, I mean, the locals, they just hate you. Because it's not even just the resort attitude that's down at, like, the south end of the island in Kauai. It's we were staying in, like, Golf Course Central where mm-hmm. it's all condos and timeshares and guys named Ted who pop their collar and drive an Escalade and come, like, four days out of the year and just terrorize the island. Girl, I used to work a daytime shift <sighs> at a bar during college football season where the pitchers, I think the pitchers were a dollar or five no, bucks. No, Five bucks. And these guys would sit there all day commanding me to change the channels, putting different things, demanding all this beer, and then they'd leave you like $2 on a $40 tab Jeez. of like free beer. Like, what am I, your cool, wife? Bro. Yeah. It wasn't great. It literally, <laughs> you're like your shift was basically the equivalent of a living room and they were just plopped down in a lazy boy mm. and you're like the teenage daughter who's got to go go get up in the fridge and fetch dad beer. But yeah, that was right when I turned 21 and I was really... Those are the <sighs> kind of shifts where you're like, what have I done? What am I doing? Where am I going? Who am I? Does food have to be like this? Today is my last day on earth. <laughs> I hate that. Yeah. And then just anyone saying to you, because this is obviously a whole thing to get into, but just the sexism and misogyny and just people being so inappropriate and creepy of commenting on your looks because does everyone even does anyone even respect you because you look 16 forever and it's like let's unpack that remember remember that bit i used to do the guy's like i'm not a creep or nothing but you look like you're 12 hey bring it back 
Bring it back. <laughs> that Where's bit that guy where you when you need him now. Yeah, what was that bit in my stand-up? I used to this guy hit on me, and he hit on me by saying, "You look twelve. I ain't a creep or nothing, but you look like you're twelve. Anyways, I like you because you look like you're twelve. That's what it is. Yeah, I like you because you're obviously a child molester, but you're not ambitious enough to go after a real twelve-year-old. There we go. Oh, Hello, the the re. Unearthing the unearthing of a Jocelyn Hughes classic. Bree, thank you. Um, it sounds like a nightmare. I hope uh, dental school serves you well, my love. But in the meantime, you know what? Ain't no shame in the waiting game. They're not going to be able to complain when you got their mouths jacked open. I'll tell you that much. Right That's now. right. <laughs> Who has the power now, Bree? <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of. Being in maybe in a situation you don't have any control of, uh, this week I thought we'd tackle uh, a subject everybody who's ever been in the service industry knows about, and that's being in the weeds, ladies. Weeds, weeds, weeds. Weeds, bang in the weeds. Um, For anybody listening and everybody listening and all our fans out there, if you don't know what the term of being in the weeds is about, it's basically an expression used when persons or you specifically uh you're near or beyond your capacity capacity to handle a situation or you cannot catch up or you're struggling or you're very busy basically restaurants are well-oiled machines right ladies there's a well there's a there's a method to the madness like everybody has to work in sync and sometimes things that are out of your control happen and it just fucks your entire night up it fucks up your world and then you're spinning out of control. I would say that's when the machine runs out of oil. Okay. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It okay. sizes it, up. Okay. It's when. It's smoking. It runs out of oil. <laughs> the engine's on fire. It's in. It's also stuck on train tracks. Pull it over the side of the road. <laughs> it ain't going nowhere. There's a train coming. We're mysteriously hit. in the south. <laughs> we are. That machine is huddled up in a ball and crying on the floor. An unnamed part of the south. And, Not and quite then, sure. But then some people just stay in the car that's on fire. <laughs> The entire right. time. The entire time. And they, but then they are able to nobly put it out and save everyone in where other people have days when they turn into those two people on the little, on the little, <laughs> okay, we're out <laughs> that of piece of machinery with the pump where they just go running <laughs> off with the, with the little seesaw thing. And they're like, oh no, we got a hand cart. It's a, a hand cart. I don't know what that's called. It's a hand cart. Okay. Great. Just on rails. I think, I think like to your point is like, this is always a looming threat. So that when you have a shift that goes smoothly, you're like, hell yeah. Yep. Because we know how that can go. What so it like? can be, let's discuss, it yeah. can be various parts. The host could seat you like four tables in a row. Correct. So you've got, instead of like kind of a nice pacing, we're like, oh, these people aren't appetizers. These people are dessert. You get a whole table where, or a whole section where everybody's on the same it's, and obviously, the same it's step when step. you get a pop, and before nothing was going on, then all of a sudden you have yes, four or five. So that's that's the host can mess that up. Well, and you know what? And let's break that down even a step further for people who are customers and not servers who don't understand why suddenly you know why it's a big deal for a server to bring you everything you need when you just noticed like everyone just sat at once. It's like 
the whole thing is when it's paced, which is I think what we're trying to say is like if a host paces you, then that means people are eating and don't fucking need you for maybe 10 minutes, right. which allows you to give attention and to get Catch other up. people started. started because And the biggest steps of service where people, um, where customers lose their mind is if they are not approached and asked for a drink order within about two minutes of sitting. Yep. So that is where everything starts to go awry. Yes. So that's what the host can do. The host can do that. So then we can talk about the bar being backed up. Right. So the bar is backed up. Usually (laughs) there's a bartender on service. So there's usually one person that's whose duty behind the bar, if there's a couple bartenders, to to always handle the waiter's drinks, the server's drinks, and make sure that those are made. But sometimes the bar is also busy. Or they're short-staffed. So or they're short-staffed. covering everybody. So you are waiting for someone to make a chocotini or, you know. <laughs> like a 17-step alcoholic beverage. A Mai Tai that, you know, is delivered on fire. Which is a real, which is real now. Of it's course. very real. Very, very real. At House of Blues, we had 10 signature drinks that all had the wackiest, um, what's the word? The dressing of it? Oh, flare condiments. Uh, no, I know. I'm uh, totally blanking on this. But oh, it's like the accessory. Like if you're a little mint sprig or like one drink had a garnish. Can- yeah, a garnish. garnish. Thank you, Brooke. She's brilliant. Thank you. I've been sober three days. <laughs> <laughs> she just wrote a new theorem. It's on the wall. <laughs> She's solved numerous crimes. It's amazing what you can spend your time doing when you're not drinking. Isn't it amazing? It's true. So how, 10 signature drinks? Yes. (laughs) And, you know, every time you have a secret shopper, which we've discussed, which are like people the company sends to test you, they order, you know, like five of them and you're tested on how they taste and how they look and whatever. But that is always kind of a pitfall is the bar because sometimes you also get bartenders that are like, fuck you, servers. I'm taking care of my bar because that's my money. Totally. Especially if it's a brunch and you have a Bloody Mary that has a cheeseburger on a toothpick in it. No. Can you imagine that? Getting that from the kitchen. So the kitchen is another factor. The kitchen is a huge Huge factor. Because not only is it the kitchen just in general, but then you have, usually you have like a salad station, like a cold a cold section. That is your uh, garmange. Thank garmange. You. Garmange. Thank you, bro. Uh, yeah. I think it's pronounced garage, but thanks. <laughs> no, no, no. Isn't that <laughs> like, like, like oysters? You parked salad. the car in the garmange. <laughs> I have a great Boston accent. <laughs> garmange, huh? But you have that. You have the line. You have uh, dessert. Yes. So you have all these different stations that can individually be backed up and all backed up at the same time. Absolutely. So it's it's a whole it's it's when stuff is not happening or it's late. Um, I feel that you can truly sense if a server just straight up forgot to put your order in. Uh, <laughs> but then there are circumstances when they're well aware that they put your order in, but the kitchen's lagging. And it's um, a whole that's a whole different. Just situation. look for just look for a lost look that doesn't register when you ask um, if the if the cheeseburger's still coming or the whatever's still coming. Just that blank like. And then an immediate nod, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and they run, they run to the POS Run, station. run, run. Oh, where's that burger, guys? Oh, I need that burger now. I need My, that burger yesterday. I need it yesterday. 
classic uh, restaurant. Oh, and you thing. have you have to have a good relationship at least with one line cook to make that happen. And but then when you're like, dude, I forgot to put it in. Like so, sometimes you have to decide. Do you tell them you forgot? Because if they're in a spiteful mood, they'll be like, let's fuck you even harder, asshole. And but if they're feeling for you one day, they'll be like, I got gotcha, you, I got gotcha, you. You know. But it was you are managing so many personalities when you're already weeded, but. Oh my, I think my other tell, if you're watching your waiters, is I'll be in the dining room just like, I'm on top of it, I'm on top of it, and start walking toward the table where I totally forgot to put in an order, and I'll stop, and I'll be like, ooh, and yep. I'll spin on my heels, and without even approaching them, it'll make, I'll realize, I'm like, I didn't put a goddamn thing in, you know, and then I avoid them. And so that's what it comes down to is like you as an individual and how do you manage all this chaos, right? How do you dodge bullets? Like you, like you're in a video game and there's shit coming at you all night and it's, there's people who can, who are always weeded, which maybe we get on that. We all work with that one server who is always in the weeds for always. some they, reason. They've got a table. They simply should not be in the business. They're emotional. Yes. They're emotional. They are also not good at multitasking. Oh. And I, they will never help you. No. Because <laughs> they can't. They can't do it. They just are not physically capable. Or emotionally. And like no. why you said, like, why are you here? What are you doing here? This is obviously not the line of work for you. And then do they spend their whole lives in the weeds? Yes. Yes, I think they do. Because I also think... Sometimes we like to equate, oh, only um, like privileged people or spoiled or overly mothered people don't get into serving. But sure, some of those people, like they're like, I have to get a job. Something's gone wrong. But they've never had to help a person in their life. And somehow they walk out with the same tips as you. They didn't do their job. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. And they float through life never knowing that they suck. Well, there's, I mean, all right. There's, there's, all right, all right. There's different circumstances for everybody. Sometimes, yes, they grow up. I'm just thinking of a few particular people. If I, you can't. Not, I noticed. I noticed. Um, but no, there's, you know, just like I was talking to my therapist about this guy that um, I was dating and like he's moved a bunch in the last couple of years. He's changed jobs a bunch. And she was like, it's something to pay attention to. It's like if somebody, is having trouble or is like brings that energy into a workplace where it's like everything is a problem and a very complicated one, then they're bringing that to other places in their life usually. Never have I had uh, a job more where the term leave your baggage at the door right. is necessary than yeah. I think working in the restaurant industry. Like you can't bring, like you said, you can't bring all that bad juju and all your emotions in because then you're just you're just setting yourself up for a bad time. Yeah, unfortunately, I think somebody who is like a chronic in the weeds isn't self-aware enough to realize that. So that'll never be the case for them. They will always bring it wherever they go. So, Brooke, what is your weed story? Do you have a weed story for us or anything that you remember? I mean, the thing is, it's not... Like, so, you know, when you really think it's also, let's be fair, this is PTSD and uh, trauma a lot of the time and anxiety. And so there is usually a big blank slate that comes mm -hmm. after it. You just know when it's over and then usually you would squash all the memories with alcohol. So um, it's not one particular night or restaurant, 
But the best way to put it is almost every day that I was working at the Candle Cafe in New York City, like lunch was just, it was just, you were weeded from the minute the shift started till they just stopped serving lunch. And the entire place was? The entire place. It was two servers for the whole restaurant, which don't get me wrong, I made bank on lunch shift, but if you didn't do little steps to try and set yourself up for success in advance, you spent the whole time trying to catch up to everybody. And when I'm telling you, these were just like shrieking, entitled customers. Yeah. May I yeah, interject? Please. I feel, you know, Candle Cafe that you're talking mm -hmm. about was vegan. Right. And um, any place where you are in a dietary special, <laughs> you know, you're you're... I don't want to say you're asking for it, but there's a different mood at brunch in a restaurant than there is at a dinner. Yes. There's a different mood in a barbecue place than there is a sushi place. And I think you get into like, I worked at this place that was, it was like veggie leaning mm. in New oh, York. Right. Exactly. I know. Spring Street. Yeah. Uh, and I do love that place. Oh, it's so good. I, I still go when I go to New York. It's so good. But if you mix the attitude of hungover people coming in for brunch who immediately want food because they're hungover, they immediately want drink because they're hungover, mm -hmm. they expect it to be fast because they're just starting their day. It's all of these things add up into this anxiety ball that isn't there at dinner. No. Dinner is slow paced. You're going to be there for a couple hours. Totally. You're going to have an ahi tuna steak. You're going to have a glass of wine. Like everything is so much slower. That doesn't mean you can't get in the weeds at dinner. It just means sometimes there's more uh, ingredients for the recipe. You can disaster. pacify people a little easier at dinner. Definitely. Because yes. people want to hang and make it slow. And brunch is usually a little better staffed. But going back to you having only two servers working a lunch shift, I worked so many lunch shifts all by myself and it's a crapshoot. Like you never know. And you obviously oh, at Candlelight Cafe. Yeah. We at Bad Dog where it was like either dead and you'd make $15 or it was like one of the busiest day of your life and you'd make bank. I mean... So you always had in the back of your head, like this, this could get bad, but it was this great machine, like great buster. And then me and great, like one cook. And we fucking nailed it. Like, yeah, oh. I, I used to bartend on Fridays at house of blues Friday during the day. And it was the manager refused to put another bartender on, which was awesome for me monetarily. But we also, for some reason, had some deal with Jerry Springer's show where all of the guests from Jerry Springer would stay at House of Blues Hotel and they'd get a voucher to come eat at the restaurant. Like and the guests? Or the, yes, uh. the people on Jerry Springer <laughs> would get vouchers and be able to come in and spend $200. They would not leave a tip. They'd be demanding more Coors Lights and Catfish Po'boys. I love this story They'd also so be demanding to much. know, who is the father of my child? Exactly. Jerry well, couldn't tell me. Who ordered you tell me. the medium rare hamburger? I don't know. It's just another thing you could yell out. But <laughs> it was like this like terrible nightmare. It was like part of the bar was like, you'll get this whole awesome shift. You're going to make a ton of money. And the manager would like look you in the eye and say this, Mick, but you're going to get the Jerry's. Like you're going to get <laughs> you get a case of the Jerry's. You're getting the Springs. And that is those shifts are crazy. And you go to a, a level of hell that you've never really gone to before. But there is something that we all know the feeling is like the sense of relief when like when like the storm is over and the clouds part and like the sunshine of the at the end of the shift is upon you. It's but hold on. But hold on. 
don't be fooled by that. <laughs> Sometimes when you think the worst is over, you're actually in the eye of the storm, baby. Wait, what? And you and you take that breath and you couldn't afford to, and then you're like, oh God, I'm back in. I'm you back know? in the weeds. Here we go, it's even worse than it was before. Then like a school bus of, you know, elderly people oh, on like a field a trip drop comes off. and yeah. hits you in the head and then you're in the water. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, you can't be cocky. You can't be cocky. You have to expect the worst always. Right. And be prepared for disaster always. Right. Why am I just seeing like a, a lone sailor on like a Alaskan... <laughs> fishing boat like just being like ah the eye of the storm everything's clear and then <laughs> and then the what crab- squall you guys are trying to minimize being in the weeds people died I don't think I've ever gotten to the point where I've like uh, gone into shutdown mode or anything like that you um, just kind of you push through it you know it's chaos there's sometimes there's just nothing you can do that's why that's what comping food is for in a true. way if you, that out for you if you were given a little bit of that authority because God knows at the lunch shift when we worked at bad dogs I used to do that religiously too uh Owners and managers barely showed up for that shift. They were usually in their office or downstairs doing something, but they weren't technically on the floor. They gave us pretty like we had how, the codes. We, we had the codes. Let's just Those put it that goat way. Goat cheese wontons are on me today. On me and like, uh, but I would get to even such a point like after a bad lunch shift was over, I'd be like, I hope nobody, because what would happen is we had this beautiful outdoor patio for when the weather got really nice. All of a sudden, everybody in Lincoln Square would come rolling up with the strollers, the mom group, the sports people, the whoever, and they would all just jam pack the patio. And these were day drinkers too, which is like, great. That's a great crowd. It's right. But then there'd be like this weird fucking table that wanted to sit inside. Right. So then you'd, they'd get the worst service service just literally sitting in a dark cave and all they saw of you was running full tilt from outdoors indoors because like to me I was like at least no one can see the chaos because if they would come in to use the bathroom and take a look at the bar it was just like an explosion like dirty dishes and (laughs) glassware everywhere just food on the floor like you're in the kitchen door flapping up in and out in and out I also blame Chicago weather because it's pretty much 40 degrees and then three (laughs) days it's 75 and then the rest of the days it's 97 with 300% humidity (laughs) but to me too it was like if you could hide the chaos then you were at least kind of winning a little bit you could be dying inside but if you were able to hide it from the tables that's at least that's one step towards winning people don't have a full understanding or level of respect for the adrenaline that basically the adrenaline crash when it's over, you know, um, especially if I would take care of myself and not immediately go to a bar, et cetera, after a Saturday night shift or a Thursday night shift, you know, maybe I had something actually to do in the morning, which is, you know, wow, rare. But if I didn't go to the bar, I was like, I have to walk two miles home. 
which well, I would right. choose it's, to do. Yeah. I have to get have this to energy out of my body. Yep. Because when you have like these classic strategies for dealing with stress, you can't apply them when you're holding a tray. It's no. like you're not sitting there being like, okay, I need 30 seconds to do a breathing exercise <laughs> or like I need to, you're, you are physically moving, but it's not in a way that's going to, it's not like you're going for a run to blow off steam. Because a busy shift at a restaurant is like your own action adventure movie every night. It is. It can go any way, kids. Mm -hmm. So many different endings and outcomes. Like I said, people die. (laughs) How many people died on your watch, bro? Die. I know. What is going on? (laughs) Only like six to seven. But no, let's look at a list. These are these are places. These are ways to deal with stress. (laughs) Uh, And I wanted to (laughs) see how many are applicable to servers. Number one, avoid caffeine, alcohol, nicotine. Fail. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nah. It's like that three things to get your sugar sugar. Fail. That's actually the only things that servers have sometimes to deal is a, to have a coffee in the back, have a smoke outside, or be sneaking a drink. Um, indulge in physical activity. Just like I said, you can't just be like, I'm going to take off for a run. It's like, no. <laughs> your body's in like a weird robotic shock where you're just like, yeah, get the drinks now. Get more sleep fail <laughs> try relaxation techniques fail what are you gonna do do you have a stress ball in your apron i don't think so also there's also, no room if okay. your table saw you taking 30 seconds for self-care and doing breathing can exercises they'd be like can, excuse me can you fire her also yeah. no tip yeah right. what i that, hate her and what if that stress ball like falls out of your apron and plops into somebody's soup bowl i mean embarrassing Talk to someone. Okay, that you can do in the back when you're bitching about your shitty tables. Okay, we got one. We have one thing. Keep a stress diary. I'm pretty sure that's just where you write down your orders. That would be the stress diary. When Brooke and I worked together, she was always writing in her stress diary. But you know what else? You know what that people got busted for, and you can like find these online, but you can name your tables. And sometimes people will be like, the two bitches in the corner. And people, <laughs> that's like, that's a thing you can Google. It's very funny. It's great. But yeah, stress diary. Okay, I don't think that one works. Take control, please. Manage your time. Yeah. You're not, it's not your time, unfortunately. Right. You don't know what clock your tables are on. You don't know what clock the kitchen's on. Like you're, it's. You're managing a version of time. Right. It's just not yours. Right. It's not healthy. Learning to say no. Can't do that. Not allowed. You can't you yeah, have, have a get, refill on this Diet Coke? Yes. No. <laughs> I need a minute. You can't do that. I would love to see you say that. <laughs> or be like, mm, are you sure? Right. You think you need it? <laughs> that was somebody. Yeah, that was. Okay. And then rest if you are ill. Mm. Again, mm-hmm. thank you, stress management list. But that is impossible. Right. Literally, the only takeaway is talk as much shit in the 30 seconds you're behind the flapping kitchen doors. And, but then also there's like a psychosis that comes from learning how to be so two-faced. You're literally just like, rah, 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 rah. then you come back out and you're like, hey, <laughs> yes, I was on top of that. Coming along with stress and moving on and not waiting tables anymore, we all still have the waiter dream. Yeah. All the time. I think because we were discussing this as a topic last week, I had like two waiter dreams 
last week alone. Wow. And a month or two ago, I definitely dreamed I was at it. It was a, a mashup of two of my past jobs where it was like James and the Candle Cafe. You're and like, you're, we were inside, but not outside. But not outside. Kind of on a roof, but in the basement. Yeah, my, my section's always off in a field. And I'm like, I'm like 50 yards away from my section. <laughs> I have... I have dreams about all of my traumatic past jobs, including one male boss that is in too many dreams for it to be okay. Because I haven't waited a table in 10 years, and I haven't worked for that guy in almost eight. Well, (laughs) they sure do make an imprint on your psyche. They sure do. So Mental Floss did a little scientific article about uh, dreams about being in the weeds, and they basically said that when you wait tables – your brain is trying to remember so many things that like then it's everything's kind of jammed into your brain. So it's always there. The memory is always there. So then when you're trying to process it at the end of the day or through your life, that's when you're like, or even falling asleep about to fall asleep and be like, Oh shit. Oh shit. Did I get that refill at table 10 or whatever? But basically yeah, you're processing these thoughts that get backed up in your dreams. So that's why you're having them. I hope on my deathbed, I'm having a weeds dream. Wouldn't that be nice? We can put the (laughs) end of my life. I'm like table seven. Still haven't processed. Can't remember my child's names, my children's names from a loved one. But I'm like table seven. Oh, shit. I forgot to get a side of horsey sauce. Yeah. And basically, like by dreaming to uh, about forgetting to refill someone's cu- cup of coffee or soda, the brain's working toward helping you remember that. So, for, so, like, for the next time you're in a restaurant. So, when you have these weeded dreams where it's chaos, it's like, well, next time you'll be ready. You'll be prepared and ready to go. Our ancestors had nightmares about being attacked by <laughs> cougars and eagles. <laughs> Ours are about needy Midwesterners who can't get enough Diet Coke for their gullet. <laughs> And so now that's like our flight or fight (laughs) that we respond to. It's like no actual predators, just terrible people that don't know how to behave in a restaurant. I mean, it's 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 real. And you wake up so upset because it's not like any real weeds situation you've been in. It's the worst possible version that you're dreaming of because you are just failing, 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 failing at every turn. And my whole thing I think um, because I was saying Wishbone had just so many unnecessary steps to just, you're like, why can't I just- It was a living weight mare. It was a weight mare. I agree. (sighs) And so when I have these dreams, basically they all play out mostly the same way. And But it's true. Apparently they say in dreams you can't um, read things. You can't really truly process letters or numbers, even if you see them on a screen. Have you, do you know that? Or can you? Kind of makes sense because it's like when you're having a stroke- the same thing kind of happens. Okay. So basically, it's I've written down everyone's orders, but then you look at your pad in the dream and it's, it's chaos. It's just moving all the, they're just snakes. Yep. It's it's just snakes. And <laughs> cut to Wait, Pete. Snakes aren't even on the menu. Cut to Pee Wee Herman running out of the pet shop with the snakes. Snakes. Ah! <laughs> so great. So first of all, right, you can't read anything. And then in my brain, then um, I'm imagining different conglomerations of POS systems Mm -hmm. where you're just hitting. It's like trying to hit a moving target. You can't get the info in. And I have constant stress dreams about, guys, I don't remember my server code. And so I'm just trying all these combinations. Every The tables are just filling up and I haven't even gotten one order in. So then I'm like, you know what? 
I can at least get their drinks. So then I move on and I'm already in survival mode. I'm like, what can I do to salvage this in the dream? And then little things like I will take a table of six, one drink at a time. And I'll drop off a drink, but go, oh, I forgot your straw and go back to get a straw for them and then go back and individually get a drink for each of them instead of putting them all in a tray. And you're like, I'm losing. It's... Oh, I mean, that's real. also an environmental, you know, nightmare because uh, the straw situation, yeah. guys. I think it's part. good. I think it's good. Joss is our packaging and uh, waste expert. Yes. Stresses I was me out. Kind of chatting around, uh, chatting about the the whole waiter nightmare with with some friends the other day, and one specifically who's like, you know, I never, I never really waited tables, but like when I was in grad school, this, to this day, I have like grad school nightmares. So like, there are different versions of it. So everybody kind of has their oh for sure chaotic crazy there's, nightmare they're stress dreams oh, yeah. i mean it's it's derived from anxiety and then then after i got out of so much table waiting or at the same time uh, i was having waitressing nightmares and bombing at stand-up comedy nightmares oh god those were just crazy those dreams keep you humble that's they do because sure. sometimes they come out of left field you're like i didn't feel stressed but i had the, I had the it's because you have not processed <laughs> those thoughts and emotions and it's happening during your sleep you guys We'll have to link to this National Geographic article that I read this week that was fascinating. And it's all about sleep and how you are processing things while you sleep. And your brain is doing an incredible amount of heavy lifting. And none of us are getting enough sleep. And, you know, our society is ending. But we knew that. I mean, the world's almost over. Um, enjoy it while you can. Go <laughs> tip your server. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do want to put it out there uh, that there is in America a restaurant called Shooter's Grill and mm. the waitresses are armed. They open carry. I can't. Do you think they're ever in the weeds, my friends? I don't know. I would I never friend. ask them because I don't want to get shot. Exactly. I'm pretty sure you'd wait your goddamn turn to get a Coke refill when your waitress is fucking carrying. This is wild. I'm going to tell you what. I probably wouldn't go inside the restaurant. Well, there's I that. I wouldn't make it that far. No, it's terrifying. Please, yes. I think disclaimer. That's terrifying. Is it only yeah. women that like wait tables there too? Because that's a whole other thing. I'm gonna do a little research on this, but I just loved the concept that there are literally open carry armed waitresses, and it is a theme restaurant. And I'm pretty sure everyone okay. stays in line. I gotta. Is everything they serve have holes in it? <laughs> just a steak with a giant bullet hole through it <laughs> took care of this one myself they, they enjoy <laughs> so let's get into a little uh hashtag a server life, server life. on the twitter feed uh server props at underscore 20 percent says sorry for what i said when i was in the weeds <laughs> Hashtag server life. Hashtag server problems. <laughs> I know I've been a real dick to some coworkers <laughs> in the past. I'm okay. This is some interesting controversial life advice. Lil Ramen at Aaron Davey. They say, you're only in the weeds if you care. <laughs> Hashtag server life. Ooh, that sounds deep. That's deep. like, what? Well, yeah, that's a lot. You don't need to go that. I care. You don't need to go that above and beyond. Well, it's tables. a classic tweet. It's, you know, uh, anything can be a library if you want it to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. Like, you can Look. take a book from anywhere and yeah, take and bring it back. That's research and a fact. Right. <laughs> um, we were just talking about this. Ellie Holmes, Ellie Rose, Texas. 
I was in the weeds all night and then dreamt about being in the weeds some more. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) You just wake up and you're like, when can I leave this life? Why am I still at work? I love it. Girl, we feel you. That is such a good one. I'm totally going to read this one because this is one of my favorites. Um, Trevor Wade at uh, No Problem Ma says, Mother's Day. Busiest day in a restaurant history. Every server in the weeds. Your kitchen is on fire. Your homie lost the tip of his finger cutting lemons, and the hosts don't know which way is up. Father's Day, slightly slower than an average Sunday. <laughs> Hashtag server life. That's so true because none of we all, we all do a cookout for pops. That's what we do. We oh, stay yeah. home. For and sure. we... Everybody does yeah. barbecue. Dad likes yeah. meat. <laughs> Men need to be around grills. Ooh, okay. All right. McLivin, McLivin, McLovin, what do you think it is? It's McLovin. McLovin, okay. McLovin at Jose Romero 239. One of the best tricks I've ever seen is a server by themselves, in the weeds, food in the window, and a continuous influx of people, all the while keeping a smile on their face without cracking. Simply amazing. Hashtag server life. You sound like you're on some sort of uh, self-help journey, my I friend. I feel like if you, I, sometimes if you have that smile on your face, you're like you're like on the verge of tears, and that's how you hold them back. Because when you tighten up your face, it tightens up your eyes, and it like keeps the water from like coming out. <laughs> What's that song like? Smile to keep from crying. Da 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 da. da. Anyway, a smile a day keeps the tears away. Is that the song? Nope. <laughs> All right. This next tweet. This is this girl gets me. Or guy. It's Bailey at Bailey. (laughs) Me to the host when I'm not busy. Double, triple, quadruple seat me. It's fine. Me to the host when I'm in the weeds. Double fucking seat me again and I will individually hurt all of you. Hashtag server life. (laughs) Seriously, when you are so busy and they just like you look over and you're like, how did you just seat me eight more people? Because you've got to give the spiel. You've got to get the water, the bread, the drinks. And then nine times out of ten, your host is like uh, a 17 year old girl who's just like, sorry. Hey guys, so our guest today is a great friend of the show, um, has worked definitely with Brooke Van Poplin in Chicago, Illinois, and definitely has some uh, years on the old belt of waiting tables, James Dunn. Hi everybody, thanks for having me, this is lovely. It's nice what? to have you in my den. This you You're one of the few people I know that has a den. It's there's, real cute. There's a couch, it's... <laughs> Beautifully decorated in here. Other people would use a room this size for a nursery, mm. but that's not happening for any of us, is <laughs> it? <laughs> I notice you still put the crib up, though. That's, it is a little sad. That is a little creepy. If you build it, they will come. Was so nice in this room. I love it. That that doll in there looks like it's been well squoze. <laughs> There's milk, milk stains on that doll's yeah, mouth. Lots of tear stains For on that For sure. Uh, so off the bat, James, how many years in the service industry? Oh, you know, I was trying to compile it before I got here, but I would say probably all said and done 12, starting Seems- in college and then going through my first like six years in Chicago. That seems to be most of our batting average like time a good, a good decade, maybe a little over, maybe decade a little plus. under. Yeah, I, I'm one of the, I don't know if you've had many of me on the show, but I worked in both back of house and front of house. So I'm familiar, I, you know, with the knives. Uh, 
for a while, I worked at this restaurant in Lincoln, Nebraska called Laszlo's, which you're all very familiar with. And I was a dishwasher. What kind of restaurant is it for people who might not be familiar with it? They're familiar with it. I don't need to go into it. No, uh, it was like American fare, like steaks, salads, really sort of interesting appetizers. Sort of like a gastro pub, maybe. Is that right? Before there was really sure. that. But not that fancy. Anyway, a lot of it was a high volume, high turnover restaurant. It was like an artichoke dip kind of a place. Yeah. Um, and I started there as a dishwasher or what they referred to as a dish pig. (laughs) (laughs) So they called me the dish pig. And then I was like, really, I was like one of the best dishwashers they ever had. I'm not tooting my own horn, but you you were a blue ribbon dish pig. I was one of the best dish pigs they ever had. You guys, you got to go to state finals. I went to state finals and um, and uh, they uh, no, I pretty soon before you know it, I get promoted to salads on the line. Next so you're thing, salad pig. I was a salad pig. Uh, next thing you know, I'm making uh, I'm making appetizers. Oh, I'm wait, make, you're the app donkey. I'm the app donkey. Um, yeah, it it goes soup or uh, dish pig, salad pig, appetizer donkey, and then the head chef was uh pig man uh, pig man pig so it's like a real like animal farm situation sort of a thing what did yep. you all call the customers i would have called them all fleas <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'd been like i got a couple of fleas with a problem at table two um we uh, uh as a dish pig i was not allowed to even look at any of the clients um, well no you're not ever supposed to be seen um if i needed to go from one rest- part of the restaurant to another they would you know, Hannibal Lecter style mask on my face, take me through the restaurant. Um, but also it's probably not good for you to go out on the floor because I imagine as a dish pig, you're just, you're not wearing pants, just a, mm-hmm. just a dishwashing apron, a coat, upper coat, but no pants, like a cartoon pig. Yes. Well, you kid, but I did get very damp during that job. I had a pair of Asics um, shoes, black Asics shoes that I wore those were at the end of the day would be so covered in like food bits and <laughs> slime that I'd take them out. I'd put them on my like front stoop or whatever, and they like there would be birds around them. <laughs> Did raccoons fight over I'm them? I'm sure I never saw a raccoon, but literally birds would be pecking at my shoes. But like that's all I could afford, so I wore those, and they were just like the stinkiest, grossest things. But I liked them because when they were on, like when I put them on, I felt like a dish pig and I was ready to work. I will say if memory serves, um, the, the coolest thing about being a, a, a dish pig is you get to pick whatever music you want to listen to. That's true. You can listen to whatever music you want. Um, in your, there's a little radio on top of the, uh, the massive like dishwasher and you could listen to the tunes um, and another cool part about being a dish pig, not everybody in the restaurant, only the dishwasher, this is true, got to have whatever they wanted for dinner every shift. So. You know what? I respect that. Thanks, and that's the least that you should do. It's not that it's a terrible wage. It is just a one note job. You are staring at an influx of filthy dishes coming at you. Yeah. And the nonstop pulling that lever down mm-hmm. pulling the, le- the the blast of steam mm-hmm. hitting your face after it's clean mm-hmm. you know I, listen there is something nice about if you've got ocd this will this is a job for you mm-hmm. 
Where I when I worked at Buca de Beppo, can't get through an episode. Name drop. I know. We always and I think most places are this where like you'd have if you brought dishes back to the pick pit. <laughs> if you brought dishes back <laughs> to, to the, the pit. To the, <laughs> I meant to say pit, <laughs> but I, I'm so sorry. I'm confused about it. You had to scrape your own dishes, and if you like, if you didn't, it was like fuck you. Like the, the dishwashers were so pissed, and rightly so. Like scrape your scrape scrape your plate. I they didn't scrape plates. <laughs> I was a I was a faceless, nameless heartbeat. But you loved it. I loved every minute of it, and now I think. Um, I mean, I learned a lot in that job. I learned a lot how to just keep your mouth shut and do your job. And did you? Did you learn that? Yeah. Now you're a husband, so. Yeah, I know. Now I'm really keeping. <laughs> We're gonna make you a shirt that says "Dish Pig," a yeah. little nighty to wear at home that Man. just says "Dish Pig." Man, pig. <laughs> yeah. So I learned a lot from that job. Um, and then you know, next thing you know, the manager, I see him eyeballing me. He's like, "You got what it take it takes, kid. You wanna." try salads and I was like let's do this and then I got a bunch of panic attacks because that's really hard <laughs> Every everything's got to be perfect so it's like dressing on dressing off the, uh, and so that nuts on the side I, yeah nuts, on, N- oh, nuts yeah, under the salad I want my nuts under the salad <laughs> you eat the nuts and tell me about it I need a picture of you eating my nuts like yeah people <laughs> That's what people to bring like whole cameras and have their <laughs> film developed. Yeah, I know. I know. Hand the hand the salad guy my Minolta and have him get a picture of him eating the nuts. And I'll know in three weeks if he did. But then I was but appetizers was my zone because appetizers, not everybody gets an appetizer. Um, I mean, these are the days of this is I mean, this is Clinton. So, you know, the orders were kind of every once in a while and you could really wrap your mind around how to microwave whatever you need. So you weren't microwave. that busy is what you're saying, which is why it was your zone. Yeah, it was, it felt better. I mean, everybody gets a set. Sal- salads came with everything and it was just like salad after salad after salad. It was like, I'd close my eyes and see salads. I'd go home, I'd see salads. And so I got really stressful, really panicky, had full blown panic attacks. Like, just like I need a minute where I'd have to go sit on the stairs and somebody would make salads for me. Still, they um, thought I had what it takes and bumped me up to appetizers. And that's right in the middle of the line. Wow. Yeah. But you thrive more there. So here's a question. Um, Doing the moving from back to front, I know in Nebraska, like when you turn 19, you can serve booze. Um, Was that that when you transitioned? um, I transitioned. The very first front of house job I ever had was at a uh, restaurant called Cary O'Ryan's in Lincoln, Nebraska. And it was run by this like total huckster that smelled like B.O. BML, you worked there. I did. Yeah. What kind of, wait, what kind of food did they serve at this place? It was really good food. It was like Cajun, um, Creole, like they had shrimp etouffee, crawfish. Their roux was really like everything that they made was really good, but it was just run by this person that was like really crazy he always wore this green silk shirt and it smelled really bad (laughs) um his name uh kevin something yeah it wasn't carrie (laughs) o'brien no no yeah it was a cajun place cajun place with a carrie o'brien yeah let's carrie o'ryan with a john oh sorry carrie o'ryan still same diff i was like the john barley (sighs) corn are you fake irish place food was great but that place only existed for like three months and then like the fbi needed to know everything about it Alrighty then. So get back to Kevin. I want to hear about him. He 
Okay, so I remember one, this is true. One day we had like a all hands meeting. He's like, you're going to be hearing a lot of stuff about me. <laughs> he's like, it, I just want you to know it's not true. People are saying a lot of it's. He's like, people are saying money, this money, that I owe this. I owe that. I, I owe everything. I've paid everything I owe. And then like four weeks later, it was like, where's Kevin? It was like, it was like home alone. It's like, where's Kevin? <laughs> And I think he was maybe in the slammer being questioned. I don't know. Needless to say, the restaurant didn't last very long after that at all. And uh, But it was so tasty. But that was my first time as a, a waiter. And I realized I'm actually pretty – I was pretty good as a waiter because I'm folksy and friendly and like talking to people. That's not to say I wasn't rude right in people's faces before. <laughs> um, you, you reach your breaking points – pretty early when you're a, a server. Oh, another thing about this guy, Kevin, is he slept in a hammock in the basement. <laughs> this is all true. And and he, it was not a finished, there was like a stack of books next to him, a bunch of beer bottles everywhere in this like, sort of like stain-filled hammock in the Some bottom of this. Some people might call that a nest. <laughs> yeah, there was like, there was like a one light hanging from the ceiling. I remember like that's where all the beer was. And you could see boxes had been broken into like a raccoon like a <laughs> and like little bottles of beer taken out um, for him to drink. His wife was a lovely woman. She owned a uh, ice cream shop called Ivana Cone. I love that ice cream shop. Yeah. Which I actually worked at for a period too. After that all went kaput, she like tried and help some of the servers out. Um, Anyway, yeah, he was just like, he was one of those. Guys. Oh, uh, I, and I ran into him years later in Omaha and I saw him. I was like, oh, hey, what's up, Kevin? Uh, uh, great to see you. And he just went, great to be seen and kept walking. <laughs> but he's still wearing his green shirt. <laughs> he was wearing shirt. his green really? silk shirt. Swear to God. Swear to God. I feel like, like that's the thing that he put on one day and he was like, this is the best I'm ever going to look. This is with this. It. Silk signifies was it, power. Was it like that olivey green, like uh, like brushed kind of matte looking silk that was popular back in the day, or was it like a Kelly green? Kelly green, really? like Irish, Irishy green, and with like Mardi Gras green. Yeah, even. like permanent pit stains underneath both sides. Um, yeah, because so was, silk doesn't silk absorbs that yeah, sweat. You see, it was everyday kind of was everyday Mardi Gras at this place. Um, no, <laughs> every day was sort of a lesson in, um, it, I see the thing is the atmosphere in the place was, was really good, but everybody knew like trouble lurked beneath. <laughs> in fact, I even think there was a couple of times we were serving and we could hear him like screaming in the basement, like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we, and people would be like, what's that? And we we're like. Do we tell him the owner of this place is lives down there screaming madness into his hammock in the basement? Um, so we'd just be like, I don't know, I think there's an insane asylum nearby. Oh, that's <laughs> no, we, I would, the classic excuse. So, here's a yeah. fun, uh, a fun fact that you and Brooke Van Poplin waited tables together in Chicago. We sure did, truly, truly one of the best jobs I've ever had. Yeah, that's debatable. 
well for you it was good for you yeah i well i say that because of the people i worked with uh, not necessarily the job i loved our co-workers and god rest her soul i loved Jeannie. i'm so sad that she passed yes that was That's very that was very sad really tragic she was uh one of the owners and she was the one who i just really thought was always fair and wonderful and just like cared about your life the other owner would fight you over a rock and roll poster. Did you guys work breakfast through lunch together? Was that was that the shift? I started nights and then started working because the brunt, the Sunday and Saturday and Sunday brunch shifts were where the money was. So then once I got sort of established there, I always had those two shifts. I yeah, always, always came in hungover, um, always. But like you doing all that stuff and then still finding a way to get. Well, Drunk. for me anyway, to get no, I... hammered until like four in the morning and then be like, well, I got to get up at six. I, it's not that I'm not that person. I think because it was seriously so intense to be yes. the opening staff at a breakfast shift. I, I tried to respect it whenever I could. And that is one of those rare things that kept me in line. I also think it was really discovering how bad my panic disorder was uh, yeah. at the time too. And so I was on the straight and narrow trying out Zoloft. Uh, I think I was a little bit of a kept woman at that time too. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that time. <laughs> I was still fun, but I came into the city like on fire, ragamuffin, like I'm ready to party. That's how I met everybody like throwing down at like dance parties and karaoke. And everyone's like, who's this bitch from Detroit? You know? And then you, uh, you, you basically, your, <laughs> your reckless behavior catches up with you. Yeah. And then you feel ashamed. And when someone asks you to marry them, you say yes. And <laughs> you just end up living with them in a lie for a little bit. And you she's know. crawling yeah. into the crib. Yeah. 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 She's in the crib now. <laughs> she's in the crib now, but that's her safe space. It's a designated safe space. I've seen her in the crib before. She just needs to be in here for a minute. But you know, you live and learn. Yeah, but when you talk about regulars, it, oh my like God. Cafe Sal Marie was regular city. I mean, there, just to name a few, there was Comb Over, there was Pepto, there was Mrs. Doubtfire, there was uh, this woman who we called Cher Zan, who looked exactly like Cher, except she was ripped. <laughs> <laughs> Was this you and Sam? Yeah, me and yeah, okay. Sa Sam Wagster was like the, the funniest. funniest. Um, and then, of course, there was Jerry, who me and you both became very close to. Loved Jerry. And, and he could not call me Brooke. It was Blair every time. Just <laughs> called me right. Blair. Hey, Blair, come over here. He Okay, so Jerry, if you've worked or if you worked in the uh, industry before, you you know that there's always a customer who like isn't really aware of the time and space around them. <laughs> so no matter how busy you are, it really doesn't matter because they want to talk to you about something. So my favorite Jerry story is one day like I'm totally in the weeds. I've got cappuccinos to make. Like the kitchen's mad at me because I did something wrong and um I'm walking past him and he goes he goes, Come here. And so I went over there and I was kind of like, all right, what do you need? And he goes, What do you think about Harry Truman? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, we can't talk about Harry Truman. But it made me laugh because I was like that's the difference between our two brains right now. But me and actually, me and him actually went out and we got scotch together. And when he passed away, um, his wife, not his girlfriend, they right. weren't really married. 
gave me all of his pipes because he was a pipe smoker. So I still have all those and I, I treasure him. And he was, yeah, just a really Jared sweet guy. Great. So we talked about like being in the weeds so much and you brought up a good point, which we didn't even tackle was like working at a place where you have to make cappuccinos. You have to like man, a cap- like an espresso. And like, I mean, that can send anyone into the weeds, I think. Yeah, especially on those brunch shifts. But then going to get the dessert and the coffees was, it was just a whole ordeal. That's when you would fuck yourself in the steps of service. Yeah, those little clear plates. Um, that's when you would start to, like, the teeth would start to come out because people would have this nice dinner and they'd be like, oh, yeah, dessert. And every single time I'd forget, like, oh, yeah, dessert. Dessert. Because you guys were in charge, obviously, like, going to the bakery section and, like, getting it. everything yourself. If If the front wasn't busy, you could be like, hey, can you plate something for me? And sometimes they would, but if they were busy, they wouldn't even. Because they'd be so slammed. Because yeah. at dinner, like every, because it's in a in a square, an area where like there's tons of pedestrians, so they were always slammed in the evening, right? And it was yeah. people would come from their other dinners to come have dessert, like at yeah. Sal Marie. So guilty, it was, yeah, right, yeah. Andrea, you fuck. I was um, with my mom. I still remember. I could draw you every section in that restaurant i still remember all the sections i remember which ones were the money ones nobody wanted the alcove no uh no. uh the outdoor sections were awesome but since they didn't one thing that was a blessing and a curse was if when the patio was open in the summer your sections got really big because you'd get four tables outside and then five inside so you'd have nine tables so the money was really good but I mean, it, it often became too much to handle. To me, it was just like, no, you should have your outdoor people and rotate the outdoor shifts because there is a different vibe of who who sits inside versus who sits outside. That's a fact. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, can I tell you if I, I don't remember? So Sam and I often, you know, were breakfast openers together. Or I'd, I'd get first shift and he'd come in and join me. And when the patio was open... You can't really control all the weirdos who would hang out in the square. And I mean, my favorite thing is there'd be like a lot of buskers. Like sometimes at nighttime, something really wonderful would happen. Like there would be group tango lessons in the square. It was like really romantic. There was like beautiful, like you were getting a free show at dinner in the morning. My favorite thing ever was this guy showed up with an amp and, a, and an electric guitar <laughs> and just plopped it down like maybe 10 feet from where all the diners were and then just started metal crunching Yeah. Totally went with the vibe. Um, I have maybe one of the most amazing stories about one of the vagabonds uh, the that hung out <laughs> in the square. There was this guy, and he came in, and he looked pretty normal. And he was like, I'd like a table outside. It was just one guy. He got a pot pie and a bottle of white wine. And he sat down, and I went back into the kitchen. When I came out, he had little picture frames um, sat in all the seats around him. And in what, it was like Penelope Cruz and all these other starlets of the time, no joke, sat up like he was having dinner with all of them. And so he started to get drunk on this wine. He started eating his pot pie and he would take all the peas out of his pot pie and put it on his plate. And there was a table with a little kid in a high chair next to us. And he was asking the parents, do you want 
to give these peas to the kid. And they were like mortified. And so eventually we had to ask him to leave. He didn't pay his bill. He started screaming at the top of it. I mean, like he was Don't like, embarrass me in front of Penelope. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so he grabbed all of his little framed pictures, put them in his little bag and took off. And I think like his thing was he just knew how to stay sane enough until he couldn't stay sane anymore. <laughs> and I think that's how he ate. He's like, okay, I just need to keep the voices uh, under wraps for about 15 minutes. The food's usually here by then. Then it's time to start feeding the baby peas <laughs> and screaming at my pictures. And it was absolutely insane. Um, I also had this lady out on the... Uh, <laughs> the this was really sad. She was in a rascal scooter. Okay. She was, couldn't have been sweeter. She was an older lady. She had all of her friends gathered around this big table. We pushed two of the outdoor tables together. Uh, it was like a special day for her. It must have been her birthday. Everybody got her food. She accidentally hit go on her rascal with like her elbow and plowed into the entire table. And like the food went everywhere. And she was just like, oh, my God. I can't. Oh, no. Everybody had like gravy on them. And like they were all dressed in their best. They had gravy and carrots on them and mashed potatoes. And she was just like mortified. Um, that... oh, thank God it wasn't you. I know. Thank God it's the rare time when it wasn't one of us. That's but why like... they denied your request for waiting tables in a rascal <laughs> Oh like... my God. Can you imagine the coolest waiter of all time? <laughs> beep, beep. Beep, beep. Coming through. Uh, my legs are fine. Just lazy. James, do you, because you were like, summary sounds so lovely, but like, do you find yourself like having more pet peeves than than you think you would have because you worked at such a nice place? You mean when I go when to you go a, out to eat? Like I I have I cannot remember the last time I've ever complained about anything at a restaurant. I don't. Um, I've just straight up pulled hairs out of my food and never said anything about it. Um, you know the I, I am. And I think it is because of that situation. I very rarely order coffee afterwards because I don't like to order dessert. That's just how I am because I, <laughs> I have this thing where I know that that's probably going to stress the, the server out, even if it's not going to. I just feel that way. So I, I think I'm like one of the world's most pushovery uh, restaurant goers ever. Here's a tip. Don't order desserts in a, <laughs> in a restaurant because it's only going to serve to stress out the server. I don't care how much you want it. I don't care if it's your birthday. <laughs> don't do it. Jocelyn, you got a tip for us? So I'm late to this, but... Um... I didn't realize on Facebook, like how much information you can make it work towards you. Like it, you can actually unfriend all of the Trump supporters that you follow and like follow a bunch of like music venues and hiking groups and camping groups and like learn stuff you want to learn as opposed to like being upset every day because someone who never left Libertyville, Illinois, some, for some reason voted for Trump and wants to fight about it online. 
Is that weird? Does no. everybody know this? You can like find any group that interests you, and that's what pops up in your feed instead. You fucked up your algorithm. They fucked up my algorithm. Yeah, and no, so- I've like basically stopped. Pay. I don't really see people's posts as much as Good. I see like the wheel turn and California Southern hikers. Very nice. And it's Good. really it's a nice thing to be like, oh, these are things I actually want to see. And same with Instagram. It's like. You know, we live in the most narcissistic town and we have some beautiful, very sweet narcissistic friends. So instead, I like follow a bunch of like outside hashtags that when I see those pictures, they calm me and make me happy instead of being like, why is this happening? Why is it another selfie? (laughs) Speaking of taking control of your feed, uh, I'm back on Weight Watchers. Hey, uh, double entendre. So I will say that today my tip is I just discovered Kodiak uh, buttermilk pancake mix and you can make it sweet and you can make it savory and it's going to help you think that you're eating something that you I mean it fools your brain sure. like I felt it's hearty and delicious and it's full of protein and I and I feel good again I worked out and ate a bunch of protein so I feel good so Kodiak buttermilk pancake buttermilk I'm about to I need my nap I'm about to it's crash out um, but yeah make yourself some protein pancakes that's my tip okay Brookie so I have started uh, my version of dry January uh, as of January 23rd. I'm just, don't worry. I'm going to try and go more than seven days. Uh, but I just kind of got to the game late because sometimes you just have to really decide like, all right, I'm going to set myself up for success and just, you know, try and do a dry 30 days, which I haven't put myself up to in a long time. And the truth is you just, my biggest thing is you miss the sugar because as much as I'm always like, I don't have a sweet tooth. The minute I stop drinking, I'm like, oh, that was my candy and dessert version of sugar every night. So the hunger gets kind of real when you're missing like four to 600 calories. You've been just mindlessly taken down. So uh, even though I would still like to get the calories out of my life and have maybe a little bit less of a wine gut, I found this really good uh, juice that's like carrot, orange juice, and like turmeric. It's really like lovely and smooth. And I'm cutting that with a little bit of soda water. And it feels like a cocktail. And it's really delicious. And it's good for you. So, yeah, go out of your way. Treat yourself with a mocktail. Yeah. If you are. Look, and you get dry, Brooke. You've never like played by the rules of everybody else. You do your, your, your own drummer, which is why I fucking love you. So, like. You decide when you go and dry. Thank you. Like, yeah, you bet. And it's, it's it, you know what? And I, I'm also like, I'm like, oh my God, what was I so scared of? Which is a whole thing because we can talk about it. But I think I was afraid I was going to fail or it was going to be hard. And then I'd have to look in the mirror and go, I'm an alcoholic. Which if you do have uh, alcohol dependency problems, I feel you. It's real. You can get help. There is no shame. So I'm not shaming if you needed help. No, I just wish there was like a, a better attitude in our culture about not drinking. Totally. I mean, as somebody who's not drinking at the moment and maybe, I don't know, for a while, going out on dates or like being with friends and then people, you know, my friends are very sweet and nobody's been weird about it. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's like acting like you've got leprosy or something. And I wish, you know, it's like there is alcoholism. There are problems with alcohol. Like, why isn't it cooler to not drink? Like, I, I know. F- I feel like people would make you feel more comfortable when you're not drinking, and it wasn't so ridiculous of a concept. Like, so much of our society revolves around drinks. Absolutely. Every plan. Drinks, drinks, drinks. So you are supported. 
there are communities for you. Mm -hmm. Like if you don't want to drink or to want to take a break, be confident in it. I don't think I've ever been confident enough to pull it off. Yeah. And now I'm finally in a place in my life where I'm like, yeah, who cares? Since I really like this topic and we'll we'll just, you know, because I'm sure anyone who's in the service industry listening to this totally relates. And uh, the idea too is like, you know what? Take some of those hours back that you are spending uh, either at a bar, goofing around. Don't get me wrong. There's a time and a place. It's fun. It's a part of being social. It gets you out and about. Sometimes I do have some of my favorite friends I've met in bars who have been friends for over 10 years now, yeah. but all of us are kind of grown up at this point. But um, put something different into your life so you're not just sitting there going, I'm not drinking and I don't know what to do. Like go to a yoga class that starts at seven or something like that. You know, I think it helps rewire your brain to think that it's a nighttime activity and you don't know what else to do with your night. Right. Cool. Cool. We'll see you next time. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you have any horror stories you'd like to share with us, please send them to at Sidework Podcast on Instagram. We look forward to hearing your pain. Thank you.